Welcome back to Coach's Corner, a Merrimack College podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Hopi, president of Merrimack College. This week, head men's soccer coach Tony Matone joined me and athletic director Jeremy Gibson to talk about his path to coaching, which has led to more than 30 years in four-net wins with the Warriors. Coach Matone discusses the importance of teamwork, giving back to the community, and the value of a Merrimack College education. Enjoy the lively conversation, and thank you for tuning into the world of Warrior Athletics. Back in the Coach's Corner, I'm joined by President Christopher Hopi and our special guest this week, head coach of the men's soccer program, Tony Martone. Tony, what an unbelievable season. There's no way of describing it. Uh, somewhat unexpected, I would say. Um, we obviously always think we're going to be competitive. Um, but to do what uh, this program has done, what these kids have done, it's, it's absolutely yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, when did you know during the season? So you had a couple of big victories early in the season over North, Northeastern and BU, um, and then you went into competition against BC and Harvard, and, and really you were able to measure yourself against historically what have been the top programs in the Boston area and, and in New England. When did you know during that stretch that, that you were, or was it during that stretch? So, so actually I think I knew a little bit sooner than that. Uh, we uh, played our first preseason game against uh, UNH uh, three days after uh, we reported for preseason, uh, which is really not ideal. And uh, as you may know, uh, UNH uh, is probably the top uh, program in the Northeast this year. They've only lost one game. They're in the NCAAs. They won their uh, conference, uh, an outstanding team. Um, and we went up there and uh, tied 0-0 zero, zero, uh, the very first game. And we, the, the result obviously was good, but at the same time what was more important is that we actually competed with them. Uh, we created enough chances um, you know, to potentially win the game. Uh, so I knew we were not out of place um, on that particular day, and I knew that uh, really based on what I saw and, and really uh, we brought in a bunch of new players, uh, so it would take a little bit of time to you know, make sure that uh, we gelled together as a team, uh, started to understand a little bit better the tactical side of things as to how you know, we like to play. Um, and, and really from that point on, um, things just got better and better. Uh, I think that you know, maybe the other, um, the other game, though, for me, was also a, a little bit of a um, um, signal that uh, we were going to do well in the conference was the Boston College game. Uh, uh, one of the top teams in the country. Um, Your alma mater. <clears throat> my alma mater. Uh, three days after we played them, they turned around and beat the number three team, Wake Forest. Um, and we went in there, and uh, we ended up with a 0-0 score. Uh, we had a chance to win the game, 30 seconds left in, in, in regulation. Um, uh, hit the crossbar. Um, so really, we played very, very well against perhaps you know the top team that we played in the regular season. Um, so, again, that for me was a little bit of a sign that uh, we were going to be okay. So, Coach, tell me a little bit about, you know, um, you know, a lot of excitement around the team. Uh, the kids are excited. Um, you know, but it's your first season in Division One, right? And so expectations were up and down, left and right at first, you know. But but tell me what, what you know, winning is contagious, right? Of course. And, and tell me about how the kids went through that and what was that experience for them. So, um Obviously, as coaches, uh, you know, we have to instill confidence in our players, uh, regardless of uh, the level of play, the level of players we have. Um, if you can't put a team on the field that believes they can go out and win against uh, really whoever uh, the, the opponent is, um, then we're not doing our jobs. Um, 
Of course, uh, having some early success, you know, uh, being a new adventure uh, in Division One and having some early success, you know, helps to solidify, you know, the belief that we belong. Uh, had we gone 0-7, uh, perhaps, you know, it would have been a little bit tougher to uh, hold things together for the whole season. Um, but uh, really, um, you know, uh, the players believe, uh, you know, they believe in, in themselves, they believe in the teammates, they believe in the coaching staff, and, and really those are the uh, the ingredients, you know, that you need to have in order to be successful. And uh, at the end of the day, um, D1, D2, D3, um, it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you have to go out there and play against 11 other players and, and, and be the better team. Yeah. So let's talk a about you. I mean, you've entered the uh, the 400 club this year. I mean, you know, I mean, a, a pretty rarefied feat for any coach in any any profession, right, uh, any sport. Um, you've been doing this for more than 30 years. You're, you are, we would define as a legend, uh, no question about it. Talk a little bit about that odyssey, that 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 trajectory, that thirty plus years. How'd you get into coaching, and and how'd you end up as really one of the top coaches in the country in terms of wins? So it goes back to uh, my formative years back in Italy, small town I was born in, uh, southeast of Naples. Um, my family immigrated here at the age of ten when I was ten years old, fifty-two years ago. Um, soccer was already a, a big part of my life. Uh, I have an older brother who uh, was a soccer uh, player, fanatic. Um, you know, he's eight years older than me, so he instilled, you know, that that passion, that drive um, at a very young age. Uh, I remember growing up, um, I went to school, I went to church because my parents made me do it. Uh, the rest of the time, I play soccer. <laughs> so um, when I came to this country, it was uh, very disheartening because soccer was nowhere near at the level that it is now. Uh, I, remember, I remember going into a, a huge department store like uh, Dick's Sporting Goods way back when uh, to buy a soccer ball. And uh, I, I'm seeing uh, product, you know, things that I'd never seen in my life. Um, and I'm wondering what they use for. <laughs> but, but I came out of there crying with my aunt, uh, primarily because there was not a soccer ball in sight. Yeah. Um, so I tried very hard to convince my parents to go back home, <laughs> but it did not work. So, so really, um, you know, soccer, uh, like I said, was already instilled in me. It was a passion that I've always had. Uh, my dream was to play professional soccer. Uh, I was lucky enough to be recruited at Boston College, uh, where I played for three years, although I was hurt most of the time. Um, I was actually scouted uh, by a, a top uh, professional Italian team back in 1979, and um, in 1980 they brought me in for a, a tryout and I was offered a, a contract. Uh, a week later, I tore about 75% of my hamstring, and uh, my professional career was pretty much uh, the dream was gone. So I came back to the U.S., finished college, and... Um, um, Playing in a, a semi-pro game, one of my friends uh, mentioned, have you ever thought about coaching? And I said, no, that's not for me, you know. <laughs> I said, you got to be crazy to be doing that stuff. Uh, but somehow he says, you know, I have a friend at Curry College. He's a chemistry professor. Um, he, he's a good guy, knows the game a little bit, but he's really looking for somebody young that maybe can push the team. And um, so I decided to give it a go and absolutely fell in love with coaching, uh, partly because uh, the gentleman, Jim Kaufman, uh, saw maybe perhaps, you know, that it has some some abilities. And um, and he allowed me to literally take over the team and coach the team. And uh, we turned the team from, uh, I believe, 1-16 and 16 to 16-3, and three, went to the NCAAs and so on and so forth, you know, had a great story. And then that summer, I was working at a summer camp, and uh, one of the counselors mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Merrimack uh, has an opening for uh, for a head coach. And I said, who's going to hire a head coach at 24 years old? You know, I said, so, uh, again, I got talked into applying, and uh, I was offered the job, which I took, and uh, it's been history since. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's, that, that's a great story. Tell me a little bit about your philosophy. I mean, you know, 30 years, you've had a lot of players playing for you. You've had a lot of, you know, you have a great reputation as a coach, as a kind of a player's coach and, and pushing the kids, but also focusing on themselves beyond the beyond the field and helping them. What's your philosophy, like your recruiting philosophy? How do you get these kids to come and then then tell about that experience in, in developing them as young, young men? So really, um, I've also been blessed having the opportunity to coach professional soccer, which is totally different. You know, so, you know professional level is, is a business. Um, when you're looking at the college uh, experience, uh, really for me, it's first about academics. Uh, anyone that comes into my program, first and foremost should come uh, because they feel that this is a great place to have an education and overall experience. Uh, of course, uh, soccer is a close second since, you know, we do play at a very high level, especially now in D1, and we do need accomplished players. But uh, really, um, my philosophy is that as a coach, I try to accomplish uh, three things, um, three general areas that I focus on. Uh, uh, helping players become the best players they can be, um, making sure that they leave here with a degree, uh, but most important, really making sure that they leave here as better human beings. Um, I want my players to, you know, through the lessons they learn in soccer, uh, on the field, off the field, um, uh, really to, you know, to become well-rounded uh, young men that go into the real world um, and are ready for the real world, whatever, you know, that may be, whether it's being a professional soccer player, being a doctor, a teacher, uh, that's not really that important to me. But what's important is really to make sure that uh, my players leave here after four years as better people uh, and better prepared for whatever's you know, waiting for them out there. So, Tony, in that context, talk to me a little bit about after the, the game where you guys clinched the regular season championship in the NEC. The team all rushes off the field and piles on to, to the guys who are on the field. They celebrate for a minute or two, and then they circle back over, and there's Brady. So Brady is your team impact team member. Yes. And he's been with your program for a number of years at this point. But talk to me about how meaningful it is to you that in the midst of celebrating this championship, less than two minutes later, your team has Brady up on their shoulders chanting his name instead of celebrating themselves. Yeah, quite honestly, that's what makes me proud to be uh, their coach. Um, they look beyond their own uh, personal accomplishments. Um uh, yes, it was a time to celebrate, but, uh, you know, they, they look at Brady and uh, they see um, how challenging life can be for certain individuals. Uh, unfortunately, too many times, I think, uh, especially these days in today's society, uh, we take too many things for granted. Um, you know, we expect uh, instant gratification. Um, so it's important for me uh, that my players also see the other side. And uh, Brady's obviously a big, a big part of uh, uh, our program has been with us, I think, seven years now. We watched them grow. Um, just a tremendous young boy. Um, you know, uh, guys absolutely love him. Um, but it's also um, other things that we do, you know, the community service type of stuff. Um, you know, really looking at how the other side lives, you know, and understanding that, um, um, you know, helping my players really understand uh, how blessed we are uh, to have everything that we have. Great. Coach, tell me a little bit about, you know, been in Merrimack for 30 years now plus, and tell me how the school's changed for you and what that's meant to you as a coach and, and everything from recruiting to, to kind of now you're in Division One. So I would say um, in, in the 38 years I've been here now, um, I would you know, group uh, uh, those 30, uh, 38 years into, into literally two groups, uh, the, first, uh, the first 30 and, and the last eight. 
Um, the first 30, um, some good things happened uh, with the college. Um, some changes happened. There were times when uh, things were challenging financially and otherwise. Um, you know, just staying alive, uh, surviving uh, as, as a university, as, as a, you know, as an institution, I should say. Um, but really, uh, for me, um, the, the excitement of the last seven, eight years has just been amazing. Um, and obviously, it's, uh, it's credit to you, President Hopi, and, and really also in the athletic department. Uh, you know, Jeremy's done a great job of, you know, having a, an amazing staff, you know, that um, is able to, to look beyond, you know, uh, the means that we have to compete. You know, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, you got on the field, it's 11 v. 11. So maybe we don't have 11 full scholarship players like other teams do. But you know what? We still go out there and we still have the ability to compete and to win. Um, really, the change in the college in the last you know, several years has been absolutely amazing. The growth, uh, the new programs, the new facilities, um, obviously transition to D1. Um, really, uh, pretty much what I needed at my age after so many years of being here, uh, I, I definitely needed a shot in the arm, a little motivation to get me uh, you know, off my rear end and, and working hard again. Um, so I just wish you had done it maybe five, six years young, <laughs> earlier um, so that uh, once the four years, the transitional period is over, hopefully I'll still have a few, you know, a few years to compete for something. Uh, uh, I think, I'm probably pretty sure you will. <laughs> I, I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to. Um, you know, a little bit about, you know, you have a lot of international presence on your team now. I mean, it's, it's for me as a president, fascinating to watch and see, you know, Italy, Brazil. different. How, how do you, I mean, Merrimack is a well-known school now, but, you know, in New England, you know, we're still not really known well past the Mississippi. I don't know how we're known in Brazil or Italy, but, but talk a little bit about that. Uh, I mean, it's, um, t- to be honest me, I have a very simple philosophy as far as the recruiting. Um, we go out and try to find the best student athletes that we can afford. Um, and in soccer, obviously, being an international game, uh, you do have to look outside the box. You have to look overseas. Um, so really the way we find, uh, you know, uh, prospects, uh, th- there's really a lot of different ways. Uh, first of all, um, uh, there are a number of agencies, you know, that uh, try to help uh, international students, you know, go overseas. Um, uh, a lot of times, you know, we receive um, inquiries directly from students now with, you know, the, um, you know, with uh, when uh, uh, some of the technology improved over the last few years, it's definitely uh, created a, a lot of headaches for me because we're literally getting dozens and dozens of emails daily, you know, from international students all over the place. Uh, but also, to a large extent, uh, a lot of the internationals we bring in are uh, either um, players that know players that have played for us or um, players that are recommended by former players. You know, we, we have graduates almost in every corner of the world. Um, I think uh, I was actually curious a few weeks ago to figure out how many countries, uh, uh, how many uh, players in different countries we've had in our program. And I think I counted 31 different countries. Um, And actually, uh, you'll be happy to know we just added number 32. Uh, We signed a young man from uh, Thailand. Uh, We are very first uh, from that country that will be joining us in, uh, in August. That's terrific. No, it's been great to meet the kids and all the different diversity and what they bring to the campus. Yeah, for me, it's fun because really you have so many different cultures, you know, so many different ways of doing things. And, and really, um, it's like a melting pot, but bringing them all together um, and, and becoming one unit. Um, uh, the give and take, you know, that as human beings, we have to be able to do in order to, to really be the best people that we can be. Um, it, it's kind of, you know, pushed on them to do that because really, uh, if they don't come in as in, uh, one, into one unit, 
we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna win games. We're not gonna be the team that we want to be. We don't, we're not gonna be the soccer family that we consider ourselves. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, you know, um, so we've done well in the NEC NEC our first year. <clears throat> I think everybody's excited about that. Um, but the creating of schedules in the future, you know, beyond outside the league. I mean, you played some tough teams this year. What does it look like in the future for you? The schedules, who you want to play. So my philosophy has always been um, we want to play the very best team outside the conference. Obviously, in the conference, we don't have a choice. Uh, but outside of the conference, we always want to play the best teams that want to play us. Um, I, I would rather lose a game than, you know, beat someone 4 or 5 nothing. That means absolutely nothing. Um, so, so really, um, you know, the challenge uh, uh, is to, you know, is to uh, convince, you know, some of the powers to be, um, you know, to, to actually play us. And I think we did a pretty good job this year, you know, with uh, the out-of-conference uh, teams. Uh, it's going to be exciting on campus uh, next fall. Uh, we have uh, uh, Boston College. Uh, we have Northeastern. Uh, we have Harvard. We have Boston University. We have UVM. Uh, we have URI. Uh, all... Uh, visiting our campus so oh, that's great uh, so it should be you know pretty exciting yeah, um, and, and really going forward um, uh, one of the things I've been blessed with is that uh, I've had the uh, the pleasure and, and the opportunity of uh, coaching uh, some somewhere over 60 former players who are coaching at uh, pretty high college levels many in D1 uh, so there are uh, connections all over the country uh, we were supposed to go down to Georgia Southern uh, the game got canceled uh, one of my former players happens to be there and offered to, to bring us down. Um, and there are others, um, you know, schools like, uh, you know, Duke and, and Clemson, uh, you know, there's relationships with the coaches. And so there, there'll be some great opportunities as, uh, you know, as we get our feet wet and, and really start to um, pull things together, uh, looking forward to the first year where we can actually compete. Um, you know, we're going to go out and play some some great teams, hopefully with the uh, support of uh, uh, Jeremy and yourself. That'd be great. Any chance? I mean, I don't know. This is a far fetch, but I'm thinking about the international. And you're from Italy, right? I mean, is there any chance preseason or off season to go to Italy and play a few games? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that opportunity is always there. Um, preseason is not a, a good time for me. Um, I know a lot of schools do that. Um, the way I look at it is that if we go somewhere exotic, somewhere nice, um, the reality is we're still going to be doing two sessions a day on the field, uh, one session in a classroom at night. So if players have any energy left at the end of the day to go out and, and uh, shop or, or visit or, you know, sightseeing, um, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Um, so, so I think it's um, it's something that um, I would love to explore and do, perhaps um, you know, during uh, spring break uh, or winter break. Should do it in the Pellegrinaggio. Uh, uh, that that's you know that'd that be could be a, cool. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Have actually, yeah. organize an alumni trip: soccer in Italy, Pellegrinaggio. I think that I think we yeah, got an idea yeah, here, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get Jeremy to uh, sign off and send me to Italy to recruit a, a couple of times a year so I can visit family and friends, you know, so while I'm there. But, um, no, it's definitely something that uh, we would love to do, and hopefully going forward there's a lot of things that um, I, I think we, you know, we, we will uh, work at. Yeah. Um, soccer has definitely changed in the last, you know, since you were 10 years old mm -hmm. in the United States. It, it was a sport that nobody knew when I was a kid or you were a kid, and now it's kind of become the— really one of the premier sports uh, that young people are playing. I mean, I live down the street from a set of soccer fields, and 20 years ago, there were nobody there. Saturday, Sunday, eight, 7 in the morning until 10 at night, there's people there. And then 
you know, on Sunday evenings, there's the, the men's leagues that come in, and, and it, it, they're very popular. Talk about the changes in soccer generally in the United States and what that has meant and where you think it's going in the future. I mean, there's been a lot of growth in the sport, you know, obviously. Um, and I would say most of the growth has been at the grassroots level. Um, professionally, MLS has finally, um, you know, has a solid footing uh, financially. Uh, the league is stable. Um, it's still run in a way where it's not similar to um, other, uh, you know, to most of uh, the professional leagues in different parts of the world. Uh, it's controlled pretty much by MLS, you know, so they des- decide where players go. So, so the comp- competition level is not necessarily um, um, induced, you know, to, to, to have, you know, teams go out and, and bring top, top players. Um, but but generally speaking, I mean, that, you know, there's no question the uh, the soccer player has uh, improved tremendously. And I would say um, over the years, you know, when I first started here, um, we just had athletes. Um, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of my players the first couple of years were actually hockey players, you know, play soccer just to stay fit. And, um, you know, and, and uh, looking at the hockey being, uh, you know, their major sport. Um, that has changed, uh, obviously, with... Uh, Soccer at the youth levels, but also with the you know, the, the growth of the clubs, uh, club soccer, where coaching is better, um, the competition is better. Uh, now we have the MLS academies, you know, where um, a lot of times, you know, kids skip high school soccer to play in academies. Um, a lot of the younger players are also now looking to go to Europe. Um, and if you if we look at our uh, national team. Uh, we we had a, a friendly, I mean, a game against uh, Canada uh, about a week ago, um, and I think something like uh, seven or eight players uh, were European-based players, but also very young players who are uh, just starting to you know to break through the ranks, you know, of the professional leagues, you know. So, so the game has changed tremendously. We still have a long ways to go uh, to compete at the national level, uh, at the at the world level. Um, obviously, the ultimate goal in soccer is to win a World Cup. I think we're still years away, um, but we have made a lot of progress, you know, over the last, you know, 20 years. Um, we need better coaching. We can't have, you know, parents, you know, as much as, you know, we love parents, you know, but we can't have parents coaching 10, 12-year-old kids because those are the formative years. Uh, we need talented coaches that uh, are not coaching the 17-year-olds, the 18-year-olds, but they should be coaching the younger players and help them develop, you know, the skills uh, and really that um, – sixth sense that you really need to be a good soccer player. You know, that instinct uh, of, you know, understanding tactics, understanding how things move, how the, how the game is played. Um, and, and you really can't teach those, you know, when you have, you know, mom and dad, you know, helping out because no one else is able to do it. Um, uh, you can't have, you know, development when we structure soccer um, at the 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old uh, age groups, you know, where they're actually playing full field and, you know, with tactics and, you know, coaches that absolutely have to win, uh, you know, games where it should be more fun. It should be just give them a ball, let them around to the field, uh, let them have fun, and let them figure it out on their own. And eventually those are the players, you know, that uh, will have the creativity and, and the tactical, you know, technical uh, abilities to play at the higher level. So we still have work to, work to do in, in my estimation, but uh, the good thing is that we're getting close. Yeah, it's good. It's a little bit like basketball in the United States is very – Grassroots and just give them the ball, let them shoot, and, and then over time they yeah. develop the skills yeah. as they get older. That, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I grew up pretty much playing uh, in the middle of the street. Yeah, um, you know, at ten years old, it's like uh, it didn't matter whether we had you know two guys, you know, five, six, you know, um, we get uh, together after school, and you know, cars would be driving by. You stop the game and let the cars go by, and then you stop playing again. 
Tony, you, you talked a little bit about kind of your coaching tree, right? And the people who have been associated with, with you and the Merrimack soccer program who are now all over the country. And then we talked about the, the growth of the sport. What does it mean to you personally to have so many people who have been part of your program stay connected to soccer and have it become part of their lives? Uh, it, it's really confirmation that we're doing something right. Um, I mean, um, I uh, I started as a, a pre-med major at BC, believe it or not, <laughs> um, until I was uh, told by uh, my coach, uh, pulled me aside one day and he said, listen, he says, you know, you, you either have to be, you know, you either become a doctor or, or you play soccer. You can't do both. Um, so I should probably shouldn't be saying this live, but, uh, but I chose to, you know, I chose soccer. Um, so, so really, I, it, for me, um, soccer is, um, it's beyond uh, a passion. Um, it, it's a way of life. Um, I mean, besides my family, friends, players, uh, really it's the most important thing in my life. And, um, it, it's rewarding, uh, to see so many former players, uh, following your footsteps and become successful, even more successful than I am. Um, and, and really continue to, um, Many years ago, I said to myself, um, you know, you love the sport. So so really, what can you do, um, you know, to help it grow? Um, and, and I really made a promise to myself, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago that um, I, I was going to do as much as I possibly could uh, to help the sport, you know, become a major sport in this country. Um, obviously, I can't do it by myself, but having so many former players, you know, that are in you know, in the sport, whether it's uh, many of our administrators, many are, um, you know, uh, working in different areas, but but it's all for the cause of, of really uh, propagating and, and really making the sport, you know, um, what we soccer nuts believe, uh, you know, that soccer should be uh, a major force uh, in this country as it is in the rest of the world. Yeah. Coach, talk a little bit about, you know, College uh, college soccer is big right now, and there's a lot of big issues facing it. Talk a little bit about those issues and, and what you see as a coach. Uh, what are some of the changes coming down the pike? What needs to change in college soccer? So one of the uh, major changes that I've actually been speaking with Jeremy about is uh, is a, um, a proposal that's been put together, uh, spearheaded primarily by uh, Sasha Sarovsky, uh, the uh, the coach of Maryland. Um, and really, the you know what the proposal is trying to do is to split the soccer season uh, into spring uh, and fall, as opposed to just being a fall season. Uh, there are pros and cons like anything in life, um, but I think the pros uh, outweigh the cons in terms of really giving uh, the opportunity to college soccer to grow and, and have more exposure. Um, soccer is really ideally a sport that's made to be played once a week, uh, but the condensed... Uh, uh, season for uh, a college soccer uh, program, uh, most of the time we're playing two games a week. Um, it, it's hard on the bodies. You know, unless you have 25, 30 interchangeable players, um, it can get to you. It can get to you, and, and quite honestly, it usually gets to us towards the end of the season. Uh, we're looking to get into the playoffs, you know, the last few years and get into the NCAAs. Uh, we're kind of limping into uh, the conference uh, tournament and, and certainly limping into the um, uh, into the uh, NCA. So by, by uh, elongating the season to doing away with the spring uh, portion, uh, the non-traditional uh, portion of the soccer uh, season, uh, and uh, really extending the regular season and then playoffs in uh, May and, and, and beyond, um, it allows the sport to, to have um, uh, really uh, to be safer, first of all. Um, certainly helps uh, eliminate, you know, lost class time. Uh, but more important, it also gives more exposure. You're playing Friday, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. Um, when you can get a crowd, you can get, you know, 
uh, people to show up. Uh, so, so that's one of the initiatives that hopefully, um, you know, the NCA is looking at right now. I believe, yeah, that's Jeremy, a, that's uh, a great idea. Right. I think. I mean, just the academic time alone, mm-hmm. but the idea that you could actually have on a Friday night football, a Saturday night soccer game, and get the kind of crowds yeah, that, that's kind of exciting. coming forward in January at the next NCAA. I think they all pass, Jeremy. You know, I, I think as Tony said, there. Are, I think there are pros and cons to everything. Some of the the opposition to it is more based on the logistics associated with it, yep. challenges that I think schools have in terms of field space and the shared use of, of that space. Um, but it, to me, I think it, it's a, a precursor of things to come in other sports as well, and potentially looking at, at kind of decompressing the seasons in different sports, because there are, there are, there's a lot of intensity around a lot of the different sports, and it yeah. puts pressures on the student-athletes. And, and Tony mentioned missed class time. Right, that's that's an important factor that all schools are looking at, and yeah. so the ability to move more games to weekends. Yeah, well, Hockey uh, East, you know, went to the the weekend format, and they go from Octo- early October all the way through right. March. Right, and it's and it's good for the kids because they're on campus a lot. And, and I mean, the model, um, most of the, the yeah the the information that has been provided as part of the um, the proposal is pretty positive. I mean, they've gone as far as getting. Um, you know, medical folks on board, you know, that pretty much have confirmed that it's good for the, you know, for the soccer players, uh, you know, really uh, health uh, beyond the other missed class time. And uh, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of components. But again, uh, understanding that uh, there are challenges, you know, like facilities, of course, being, uh, you know, probably at the top of the list. But, you know, hopefully those things can be figured out. And, and uh, you know, we hope that uh, really um, the NCAA will do something that is very, would be very, very positive for the sport. Um Right now, um, one of the challenges of, of you know, um, a young, you know, player coming out of high school or coming uh, out of a, uh, uh, an MLS academy um, who is a talented player, um, that individual has a very, very hard decision to make. And that decision is, do I go to college and play soccer or do I stay uh, in an MLS, you know, academy? Do I go overseas where I'm going to have the opportunity to train every day, you know, eight, nine months of the year? Um, With the college game right now, those opportunities are very limited. So it's very, very hard to develop, to continue the development of a top player that goes into a college program because the opportunity is just not enough. You have two, you know, two and a half months in the the fall and, and you have... Um, you know, a short period in the uh, in the spring. Uh, whereas, if they go into a uh, you know into a professional academy overseas, um, not only they're getting great coaching, better coaching, uh, but really they're training and playing you know three, four, five times a week, almost year round. But uh, the teams are using fields in the spring now, right? I they mean, are. Soccer it, it, is still soccer is a year round sport, and and the reality yeah. is, is that you have a fall season, you have a preseason, but off season you're using that field a fair amount of time. We are, but it's more limited. We can only play five games, for example, yeah. um, we're, and we're limited to you know to uh, the number of hours. You know, so when you combine strength and conditioning, uh, and uh, you combine practices, it becomes you know challenging in trying to uh, figure out how you can actually do five you know five training sessions a week. Yeah. Um, so, so as a matter of fact, you know, met yesterday with strength and conditioning. So we're trying to figure out if we can do our strength and conditioning on the same day that we train. That way we don't use uh, two days, you know, that, um, uh, you know, during, during the actual week. So, um, so you try to be as creative as you can, but ultimately um, really, you know, top, top you know, level players um, uh, pretty much staying away from the college game. 
And and I think that if uh, this model were to um, you know be passed, um, I think that would change things tremendously. You know, a lot of these kids probably would look at it as a you know what now we can you know we can actually uh, play almost year round and then find a um, you know like a semi pro team to play during the summer you know to stay uh, fit you know to stay sharp you know with the skills and so yeah uh, that's fascinating good so you had uh, Richard Fleming Jr. Uh, inducted the Hall of Fame as part of the class of 2019 now every year for our listeners to know we have a uh, athletics Hall of Fame we put five or six athletes or teams in every year it's a wonderful event. Um, what did it mean um, that night to you to see him recognized as a as a player? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's uh, it was very proud uh, and happy to see Rich uh, get in. Uh, Rich and I are very close. Um, we've been very close, you know, from really the very first day that he stepped on campus, uh, developed personal relationship uh, with his dad, uh, his family. Um, so uh, really, um, um, you know, well well deserved recognition. Uh, uh, you know, he was just a tremendous player. He he pretty much put his team on on his back for three years and uh, was you know among the leading scorers in the country for three years. Uh, still uh, holds pretty much all the scoring records in Merrimack history as well as any ten history. Um, so um, uh, to see him you know be recognized certainly from my end you know was um, you know was was an awesome night. You know it was well done. I thought he was very articulate actually. Um, that was great. Um, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, he also does extremely well financially, so I'm hoping that. <laughs> I'm on down the coach's position. Like yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah, definitely so, entertain that. So we'll see if we can uh, twist his arm a little bit, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I, I'm blessed to have had, you know, the the rich Flemings of this world. Maybe a lot of them don't uh, get the recognition that he has, you know, the the induction, but. Uh, really, the relationship uh, that has lasted for so many years beyond the four years that you know you're with him. Um, I mean, to me, um, you know, one of the most uh, well, the, the most thing that I'm proud of is that if you ask Richie, um, uh, you know, he has said this many times publicly that if it wasn't for me, he would have never finished school. He would never be in the position that he's at now. Um, uh, I think he's giving me way too much credit, but but it's nice that um, you know that um, he, do, he didn't forget where he comes from, and I know yeah. he's very close, you know, to Merrimack in general. Uh, his wife, you know, was a former. Uh, softball player she was part of Absolutely, the national yeah. championship uh, game as as i'm sure you, you know we all know here um so so the relationship uh, to you know to merrimack is uh is um it's a special bond and uh, he has he has a uh, uh his oldest son uh, is 15 years old uh, currently in the uh, chicago fire academy and uh, i told him if he doesn't uh, come to merrimack in a few years i'll never talk to him again so, <laughs> so we'll see how how much the pressure uh, works that's great. And, you know, I mean, I think one more thing, Coach, you know, question of always, uh, I keep asking all the coaches now that I interview this year. Um, what do you see as the biggest difference between two, Division two and Division one? I, I think, you know, better uh, uh, better prepared players, uh, technically, tactically more gifted players, um, much deeper rosters. Um, so I would say those are really, you know, the two, three major, you know, major factors. Um we have to develop a lot of our younger players, you know, so it takes us a year, two years, three years sometimes, you know, to, to get the players where they need to be um, to be able to compete at this level. Whereas they're able to bring in, uh, you know, accomplished players, you know, that are interchangeable. Um, so quite honestly, one of the biggest factors in uh, the success we had this year is the fact that uh, for the first time in uh, four or five years, we were uh, pretty injury free. Um, I think we started uh, the same 11 guys, uh, I believe, in either 13 or 14 games, uh, which has never happened before. 
Um, so, um, so we were lucky a little bit, you know, with uh, not uh, suffering any major uh, season-ending injuries or injuries that will keep keep players out, you know, for an indefinite period of time. Um, you know, sports, uh, you know, the sports department, uh, sports medicine uh, did a great job um, in in keeping us healthy and. I think some of the training that we did and, you know, a few of the things that we changed um, also helped. Uh, but that is the key. Um, uh, I think the key to this year was really staying healthy and, and really having the options of playing, you know, whatever players we felt we needed to play in any given day. Um, you know, um, I hope we're as lucky uh, as this year in the future. Uh, but, but um, history tells us it's, it's not. Yeah, so, well, you know, luck is earned too. That's what yeah. I believe, right? I mean, Absolutely. You just, you Absolutely. just don't fall into it. You got to do all the right things and organize it correctly. So when luck can happen, it happens. You know, and I, think I agree. You, you've done right. a great job as a coach, uh, as a leader uh, for those kids. And I think you know, although a lot of people might be surprised by the success this year, um, I'm not. I mean, I think I've watched how you've prepared your teams, how you've coached, your kind of your values, that make a big difference to people. And uh, I think kids want to play for you, and it's going to not change at all. It's actually going to grow. And uh, we're excited to see that, Coach. It's good stuff. I appreciate that. And uh, hopefully um, we can uh, continue to turn heads, not just my program, but uh, as you alluded to earlier, a lot of the other programs are getting it done already. And um, uh, Merrimack is here, and uh, we didn't just show up to D1 to, uh, you know, to say that, uh, you know, put a feather on our cap to be a D1 uh, program or school. Uh, I think you know we you know we we came here uh, with every intention of uh, winning and winning uh, from the very beginning and um, you know even the teams that perhaps uh, didn't have uh, winning records this year they were very competitive um, so I think we have a tremendous staff you know Jeremy obviously um, you know oversees and and puts the staff together um, you know whether it's coaches administrators uh, you know sports medicine compliance you know really all the people that uh, that work with us. Um, uh, really, um, you know, um, th- there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that we're going to see uh, more stories like men's soccer. I'm, I'm happy that we were the first one. I, I will say yeah, that. No, I think it's great. Um, you know, you know kind of lead the flag, and I think I earned that. You know, having you know being the elder statesman yeah. in the department. Um, but but really, uh, I know there's um, you know many other sports. I'm looking forward, and I just you know obviously the basketball teams are doing well. Um, yeah, but I'm also looking forward to, you know, seeing men's and women's lacrosse, you know, some of the other spring sports, baseball, Nick does a great job, you know, some of the other, you know, I, I, I'm excited. I mean, yeah, I'm no, excited. I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like a little kid in a candy <laughs> store at 62 years old, well, you know, well, so. You know, Coach, you had an undefeated season in the conference. You won it your first year, and you got Coach of the Year. So congratulations on a great season. It's great to have you here today. And uh, and for all of our listeners, I, I want to thank you very much. Jeremy, you want to wrap it up? Yeah. Tony, thank you for being with us today and sharing your, your perspective, your experiences. It's been an unbelievable season. Congratulations again on the season, on the Coach of the Year. Very well earned. Um, and we'll be back next week. Thank you, folks. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.